Good morning to all of you. Good to see you here. I guess that's not the right thing to say because I can't see you here. But uh, it's good to see as I was checking on the uh, live stream there on the YouTube channel, the church's YouTube channel, I could see quite a few folks that are already uh, watching and uh, tuning in. And what an encouragement that is and how you all are encouraging each other uh, with the various uh, messages that you're sending to one another. What an encouragement that is. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, we're going to get right into the Bible study this morning. Uh, we're in John chapter number 14, uh, if you will. Uh, turn to John chapter number 14 in your Bibles with us this morning. And we're going to read John chapter number 14. We'll read the first six verses. Uh, John chapter number 14, verses 1 through 6. The Bible says in John 14, verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And let's just have one quick word of prayer, and we'll get into the study this morning in the book of John, chapter number 14. Let us pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we, uh, we come to you today, this morning. Lord, we're grateful uh, for the fact that you have loved us and you have displayed and demonstrated that love to us on that cruel, rugged cross on, uh, uh, on Calvary there so many years ago. Father, we thank you for not just telling us you love us, but demonstrating it. And Lord, we're thankful, Father, for allowing us to be able to gather, uh, albeit it's not physically, Lord, but we can still gather uh, as a result of technology and, and Lord, uh, just this wonderful uh, uh, devices that we have in this day and age that we can use to still be able to stay connected. And, Father, we pray for our church family, Lord, for those, uh, the messages coming through. Uh, Lord, everyone is missing each other, missing the fellowship, uh, missing the, uh, the physical uh, gathering. And, Lord, we pray that you would comfort each and every one of us. And, Lord, we pray, Father, that you would use the, the services here today, this morning, uh, the life group hour, and, of course, the worship hour as well, Lord, to lift our hearts and to strengthen us today. We do love you, Lord, and thank you for all that you have done and all that you continue to do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The title of the message uh, in, in the life group hour this morning is, It's Comforting to Know. It's Comforting to Know. We're going to study John chapter 14. But before we do, I'm going to give you a little bit of context here. Uh, in John chapter 13, uh, we won't be looking at, at John 13 this morning, but nonetheless, uh, we see what's happening here uh, with the Lord and his disciples. In John 13, uh, they've, uh, the Lord has uh, already partaken of the Last Supper, uh, that Passover meal. Uh, and, of course, the discussion about uh, the betrayal has taken place. Uh, uh, obviously, Judas has been the one he's left at this point. Uh, the disciples' feet have been washed at this point. He has demonstrated uh, that in John chapter 13. And then uh, he was telling them that his time had come. The Lord's time had come for him to be sacrificed, uh, for him to be betrayed, and for him to be lifted up on that cross. And, of course, he knew that the, the disciples themselves would be discouraged. Uh, he knew that they would need comfort. And so he begins John chapter 14 uh, by instructing them and telling them words of comfort. I think each and every one of us during this time can use some words 
of comfort. I don't know about you, but I, do, I know that I need words of comfort. Uh, we talked about yesterday when we met uh, for our uh, not soul winning, but nonetheless, we were getting together to make some deliveries to some of the folks in the church, uh, taking them some flowers, just trying to be an encouragement and a blessing. Uh, we studied First uh, Kings 19 and Elijah, how he was discouraged uh, and how God encouraged him uh, during his time of discouragement. And we said that uh, during this time in this coronavirus uh, pandemic, uh, I, we walk around and we drive around if we're able to get out and, and we see things and we experience things that are, uh, are discomforting, uh, that are alarming. Uh, businesses shutting down and, and uh, uh, stores being closed and, and parking lots being empty. And uh, it's, it's a little depressing to see uh, all that's taking place in our society today. And I, I believe we all need words of comfort. I have three main points in the, uh, the lesson this morning, uh, a few sub points under uh, one and two. But let's get right into it. Point number one, we see the place of comfort, the place of comfort. Again, the Lord Jesus Christ is trying to encourage the disciples. They know he's about to be crucified. They know that he's about to die, uh, and they're discouraged. And so he tells them uh, something about a place of comfort, and that place, of course, being heaven. Uh, Look at John 14 and verse 1 once again. The Bible says here, let not your heart be troubled. He says, I understand you're troubled, you're you're anxious, you're, you're stressed out, you're worried, you're depressed, but let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, this is what we want to focus on here in verse 2. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. He's going to prepare a place for them, and he also is preparing a place for us. In his father's house uh, where the mansions are. Look at verse number 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. I don't know about you, but it's very comforting for me to know uh, that one day uh, we will be away from all the pains and heartaches and stresses of this world and will be with the Lord in heaven. And he is preparing a mansion for us to dwell in for all of eternity. What an encouragement. What words of comfort that brings today. Now, listen, it doesn't matter. You may live in a very nice house here on earth while you're here. You may live in a, in a very uh, nice place, a nice neighborhood. Uh, your house may be even somewhat extravagant, uh, but it doesn't compare to the place that God is preparing for us uh, in heaven. The mansion uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ, the general contractor, the Lord Jesus is preparing for us is greater than, it's better than any house or home that we could live in here on earth. And those of you who are on the opposite spectrum, you say, well, Pastor Morales, my, my house is not extravagant. My house is not uh, a mansion here. My house is not something that I am even proud of. And I, I kind of live in, in somewhat of a dump. Well, guess what? Uh, God says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and he's going to prepare a place for you. Man, praise God that no matter what we live in down here on earth, when we get to heaven, God is telling us we're going to have uh, the best dwelling place that we could ever possibly imagine. 
Uh, you see, he knew, he knew that they would be discouraged. He knew that they would be despondent. He knew uh, that they were going to be depressed just as you and I can sometimes get depressed and despondent and discouraged uh, in this world of heartache, in this world of sorrow, in this world of disappointment, in this world of disease, uh, in this world of death, crime, pain, and poverty. The Lord knew that we would need a John chapter number 14 in our lives today. The Lord knew that uh, in 2020, there would be a pandemic called the coronavirus. He knew that. Uh, It didn't surprise him one bit. And he knew that those of us who believe in him and those of us who trust in him, those of us who believe the Bible, uh, he knew that we would need John chapter 14 uh, exactly at this time. And and I love I love the fact that uh, he's encouraging us today just as he was encouraging them back then. Uh, several things that we see here in John chapter 14, uh, God says here, the Lord Jesus says, uh, letter A under point number one, uh, he says the route to that place of comfort. Uh, there is a way, the route to that place of comfort. Look at John chapter 14 and verse number four. The Bible says here, and whither I go, ye know, and the way, ye know, the way, ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Uh, The Lord Jesus says, you know exactly where I'm going and you know how to get to where I'm going. And Thomas says, I don't think so, Lord. I'm not sure where you're going. Uh, None of us here understand completely what you're saying. Uh, We're not sure where you're going. We don't know how to get there. In verse 6, we we understand this, a a, a very popular, very famous verse. Uh, Verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way. I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The Lord Jesus Christ says to Thomas and, of course, to those disciples that were gathered there and to us many millennia later, he tells us, he says, he makes it very clear there's only one way, one way that we can get to the Father's house, only one way that we can get to those mansions that he is going to prepare, only one way, and he is the one and only way. There are not several ways to get there. Uh, There are not many ways to get there. Uh, There are not hard ways versus easy ways to get there. There are no alternative ways to get there. Uh, Listen, the only way to get to the mansions, the Father's house, is through the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. It doesn't matter how how good of a, a, a belief system some other faith may have. Listen, if we do not go to God through the Lord Jesus Christ, we're not going to reach him. It's impossible. The Lord Jesus Christ is very, very exclusive. Uh, it's He is the only way. Uh, notice that the Lord Jesus Christ did not say the way to heaven is through the church. He did not say the way to heaven is through the preacher. He did not say the way to heaven is through the church constitution, rather. Uh, He did not say the way to heaven is through the baptistry. The Lord Jesus Christ said that the way to heaven, the way to the Father's house, uh, where he's preparing those mansions, is through him and him alone. Uh, Listen, we can join hundreds of churches in our lifetime if we choose to. Uh, We can be the preacher's best friend. If we decide to, we can memorize all sorts of scriptures 
if we want to. And that neither, uh, none of these things are necessarily bad in and of themselves, uh, except joining hundreds of churches. That would not be a good thing. Uh, we can memorize the church constitution if we want to. We can, as uh, Curtis Hudson, Hudson used to say, we can be baptized uh, uh, so many times in the, in the lake that the fish know us by name. We can be baptized many, many times over. But listen, none of those things, if we were to do them, would change our destination from hell to heaven. The only way to change our destination is by going through, believing in, receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, there are many people in our society today who will say, uh, well, uh, uh, there's many ways to get to God. Uh, and, and, and all religions eventually lead to God. And, and I have to say that I disagree with that statement. I have to say that the Bible disagrees with that statement. And I have to say that the Lord re- uh, disagrees with that statement. God disagrees with that statement. As a matter of fact, there are many religions today uh, that uh, are not even necessarily leading anyone to a a higher power. Uh, for instance, you know, there are there are, are Hindus out there that believe that uh, you can be reincarnated and that uh, they don't even truly, they believe in, in, in a multiplicity of gods and many, many gods. And, and you can come back as a, as a different being or as a different uh, a creature, as a different animal, so to speak. Uh, listen, that's not even, that doesn't even have the same end point, uh, that particular belief system. And so not all roads lead to God. There's only one way to get to the Father and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, let's look at letter B under point number one. Uh, we see the place of comfort, heaven. Uh, he's encouraging them. We see the route, the Lord Jesus Christ. We see letter B, the reminder. The reminder. Uh, look at John chapter 14 and look at verse number 7. John chapter 14 and verse number 7. If ye had known me, ye should have known the, my father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Uh, Notice here what what the Lord is saying. He's saying, uh, basically, and he's going to say it in just a moment here. We're going to read it. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Uh, He's claiming to be God in the flesh. And and Philip, of course, is saying, uh, we don't understand. We don't understand. We don't understand. Look at verse 9. Jesus saith unto him, have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Verse 10, believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. The Lord Jesus Christ here is reminding his disciples that he is God in the flesh. That he is the physical representation of the, uh, uh, the invisible God, the visible representation of the invisible God in human form. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, uh, Paul uh, echoed these, these sentiments in Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 5 and 6, where he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be the next, the next phrase, equal with God. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ equals God. He's equal to God. 
Uh, he's not greater than God. He's not uh, certainly not less than God. He is equal to God. We understand what equal to means. Uh, those of us, have, uh, we've learned basic math. Uh, we know four plus four equals eight. But we also know that six plus two also equals eight. Uh, we know that five plus three, uh, once again, equals eight. And so we see that God the Father equals God. We see the Lord Jesus Christ, he equals God. And we see that the Holy Spirit also equals God. Uh, We see the Godhead being uh, spoken of here. Uh, God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is God in the flesh. Uh, I love the fact that uh, God did not just tell us he loved us. God did not just uh, uh, say, hey, I care about you, you're important to me. No, he came and, and he came to earth. He put on human flesh. He robed himself in a human body and he lived a life here on this earth just so we could understand, so he could understand us and we could understand him and he could die in our place. He did that in the form of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we see the reminder. Uh, we see the route. Uh, we see letter C. Letter C, the result. The result. Uh, John 14, verse number 12, if you will, uh, read along with me. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works. This is the result. Uh, he's saying, you're going to do what I've done. You're going to do greater things than I've done. Uh, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ here is promising his disciples that they were going to do the things that he did and greater works than even he did. Now, how is this possible? Uh, We know that he's God in the flesh. Uh, He did miraculous things. Uh, He healed the sick. Uh, He walked on water. He raised the dead. Uh, He did miraculous types of events. And and, and how is this possible? Well, we understand that prior to uh, the Bible being canonized, the Bible being completed, uh, that God, of course, gave the disciples power uh, to perform miracles. We understand, uh, and Pastor mentioned a little bit about this last week, uh, that's no longer the case. We don't have the power to perform miracles now because we have the Word of God. But nonetheless, they did perform miracles prior to the the completion of the Scriptures. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, the Lord did things that you and I cannot do. Uh, he, He opened the blinded eyes. He healed crippled people. How could the disciples do greater works than the Lord did? Now, we have to understand that the Lord Jesus Christ is, is referring to, uh, he did not mean that they would do greater works in power. Uh, he meant that they would do greater works in extent. In other words, uh, how much of the, the ministering they, they were going to do compared to how much ministering he did. Of course, he only ministered for three, a little over three years, three and a half years or so, uh, and they were going to minister for many, many years. Uh, and the Lord Jesus Christ only ministered on one particular uh, uh, place, in one particular place, in one country. They, his disciples were going to minister in, in many countries. Uh, they, were, they were able to do greater works. They were able to minister to more people and reach more people than the Lord Jesus Christ himself did while he was on the earth. But let's make sure we understand that the result of knowing the Lord as our Savior, the result of having our mansion being built in heaven, uh, the result of, of, of accepting him and, and him alone as the only way to God is that we are to be ministers. 
We are to minister. The Lord Jesus Christ came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And he gives us that same calling. He gives us that same, uh, 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 basically that same uh, 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 job to do. He wants us to minister to other people. And we can minister to many, many more folks. Uh, I've been saved, uh, let's see here, uh, almost 27 years. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, I've been trying to minister for all of those 27 years since I've been saved. And uh, the Lord Jesus Christ only ministered for three and a half years. Obviously, I have the opportunity to reach and minister to more people, physically speaking, than the Lord Jesus Christ did while he was here on earth. He's saying, uh, don't be concerned, don't be troubled, don't be worried. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to come back and receive you unto myself. Uh, you're going to do great things in my name for my sake. The Lord Jesus is saying, uh, don't be discouraged. We see the place of comfort. Uh, by the way, Christian... Uh, by the way, uh, whomever it is that might be watching this morning, uh, if you're saved, uh, God is speaking to you directly. He's talking to you. He's saying, I've left you here for a reason. There is a purpose that I have for you, even during this pandemic, even during this uh, troubled time, even during this time where people are, are up in arms and people are worried and people are, are stressed out and, and people are struggling and, and, and there's all kinds of anxiety and maybe even depression. Uh, listen, I've left you here to minister to those people. By the way, if you're listening here this morning and you're not saved, you're not a Christian, uh, and, and you don't know for sure you're going to heaven to this place of comfort, God is speaking to you as well. He's saying to you, listen, you must accept the Lord as your Savior in order to make it to this place of comfort. In order to be able to apply these truths to your life, you must accept the one and only way, the Lord Jesus Christ. We see, number one, the place of comfort. That place is heaven. We see, number two, the person of comfort. The person of comfort. And that person of comfort is the Holy Spirit. The Lord is saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to leave you here to minister, but I'm not going to leave you powerless. I'm not going to leave you uh, without my presence in your life. Uh, even though I won't be with you physically, I will be with you by way of the Holy Spirit, uh, God, the Holy Spirit. We see letter A under point number two. We see the privilege, the privilege. John chapter 14. Look at verse number 16 with me, if you will. Verse number 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. He says, I'm going to leave you physically, but I'm going to be with you spiritually. Yeah, you with me? I'm going to leave you physically, but I'll be with you spiritually by the way of God the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 17. <clears throat> Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Notice that the Lord Jesus Christ, again, uh, telling us, showing us the Godhead here. He says, I'm going to give you the comforter, another comforter, the Holy Spirit. And in that last phrase in verse number 20, that Holy Spirit, he says, I am going to be in you. Again, uh, the Lord Jesus is equal to God. God the Father is equal to God. And the Holy Spirit is equal to God. What a privilege you and I have, those of us that know the Lord is our Savior, what a privilege we have to have the very presence of God himself living within us. 
the creator of the universe, the one who has all power, uh, the one who, who, uh, who created everything that we see, uh, the one who is the sustainer of all things. Listen, he lives, if you're saved this morning, he lives in you and he lives in me. I don't know about you, but that's a tremendous, tremendous privilege that you and I have that we have to recognize. First Corinthians chapter three and verse 16, the Bible says it this way. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. First Corinthians six and verse 19 says what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16, uh, the last part of that verse says, For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. You see, there are so many things that we as 21st century Christians take for granted. Uh, let's, let's just take a few things. Let's just uh, think about, okay, um, if you were here this morning physically, uh, I would ask these questions, and, and some of you might raise your hands. Uh, of course, we can't do that right now, but just think in your mind how you would respond to these questions. Uh, do you have Internet access at home? If you're watching this video, then yes, you have Internet access at home. Amen? Uh, do you have a cell phone? Uh, if you're watching this video on a cell phone, obviously you would have that. Uh, do you have, okay, how about a microwave oven? Uh, do you have a social media account? Do you have a laptop or a tablet? Listen, these are things that we all have for the most part, and we take them for granted. Uh, there's so many things that we take for granted that, uh, that we didn't have uh, when we were growing up. Okay, for instance, okay, uh, cell phones. Uh, I didn't have that as a child. Uh, uh, radar detectors, I didn't have any of those. Uh, the Internet, uh, text messaging, laptops, email, satellite radio, self-checkout at grocery stores. I remember when that first came out, I thought it was the weirdest thing ever. Uh, but now I think, man, this is pretty cool. This is really helpful. Uh, I can get out of the store quicker. Uh, surround sound, that's, that didn't uh, exist when I was growing up. Uh, another thing that I think is, is kind of neat, you know, these, these streaming services that where you can watch movies and shows and so forth and so on. Uh, red boxes. Red boxes didn't exist. Man, we had to go to, a, you know, if you wanted to get a movie, you'd have to go to a blockbuster. I don't know if anybody remembers Blockbuster. They're not around anymore. Uh, Blockbuster and you get the, the VHS and, and all that sort of thing. Listen, we have so many modern conveniences today that we just take for granted. Uh, it's just, you know, as a matter of fact, if you speak to a younger person, uh, someone maybe in their 20s who, you know, has had all these things uh, all their life, they've never lived without them, you know, they, they think it's kind of weird, you know, that Internet didn't exist at some point. You know, they think it's kind of strange that, uh, that you had to go to the library and actually look up books and, and, and read books and, and, and take out excerpts and, and copy them and, and, and do your research. Uh, you know, nowadays they just open up a computer, uh, they log on to the Internet, they do a search, and they can find a lot of their information. And so they take a lot of these things for granted. But listen, we do the same thing. Uh, we, we take a lot of things for granted. There are things that uh, my children had uh, growing up that I wish that I would have had. When I was growing up, uh, that's just an example, the, the Internet uh, and researching and all that sort of thing. And uh, listen, it's not just a a privilege to have God living inside of us. It's also a powerful potential. It's a powerful potential. You know, young people nowadays can do a whole lot, a whole lot faster than we could when we were growing up. 
Uh, and, and if you're uh, obviously older than me, you know, you think, well, you had things that I didn't have. And, and yes, that's true. And, and there were things that I could do when I was growing up that I could do quicker and faster and more conveniently uh, than the older generation could do. And so we need to understand that having God living within us, that's not always been the case for those who believe in the Lord. There's uh, Old Testament Christians, people that were saved uh, back then, uh, who did not have the dwelling, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in their life. They only had God uh, rest upon them for a certain time or for a certain purpose. Uh, and then, of course, uh, he was removed. And, and they didn't have God living inside of them their entire Christian life. We do. And at times we take that for granted. I like what Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 says, and a lot of people misquote this verse, and I kind of chuckle, uh, now unto him that is able to do exceeding. A lot of people like to add exceedingly, but either way, uh, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think, according to his power, according to the power that worketh in us. He's saying that we have a powerful potential living right here in our hearts. We have the God of the universe, the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things, living within our hearts. Can you imagine the Old Testament saints looking down from heaven and seeing as God had promised in Joel that he would pour out his his spirit upon all flesh? Uh, And he was talking about the giving of the Holy Spirit, uh, pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. Can you imagine them seeing God give every believer his potential power Uh, to have the Holy Spirit, God himself, uh, for their entire Christian life. We take it for granted. Uh, We take it for granted. Listen, that great and tremendous power that God makes available to us. Listen to this quick story. One of the golfers on the Pro Tour uh, many years ago was a pompous egomaniac with an emotional maturity uh, level of a six-year-old. He could do nothing wrong in his mind. And he always had an excuse uh, when he lost or he didn't win. Uh, he would say things like, well, it was a lousy course, or, or the other golfers were cheating. And, uh, or he'd say, oh, the weather was terrible, etc., etc. And if that wasn't enough, he would also make some extra money on the side by hustling amateur golfers in the cities on the tour for $50 a hole. So he would challenge these amateurs, uh, these, these folks who played golf who obviously were not as good as he was because he was on the pro tour. Uh, he would challenge, challenge them to play for $50 a hole. One day he was approached by a man wearing dark glasses. This man was also carrying a white cane and he offered to play this, this professional golfer for $100, for $100 per hole. $100 a hole. He said, listen, I, I can't play you. You're blind, aren't you? He noticed the, the glasses. He noticed the cane. And, and the man responded, yes, I am. He said, but that's all right. I was a state champion. Before I went blind, I was pretty good. I think I can beat you. Now, this conceited pro golfer had not been doing well lately. He hadn't won too many tournaments. And so he needed some money. And so he decided that if this blind guy was crazy enough to challenge him, well, why not? And so he says to him, he says, you did say $100 a hole, correct? And the blind man nodded. He said, yep, $100 a hole. He says, well, all right, it's a deal. But don't, don't say I didn't warn you. Uh, you'll lose all your money. He says, when would you like to play? The blind man said, any night this week. Pick any night this week. Any night. In other words, he was saying, 
I can play at night when it's dark, uh, and you, I will have the advantage over you. And so we see here that uh, he had an advantage, even though he was blind, even though he couldn't see, uh, he could play in the dark, and he was challenging this pro golfer to play in the dark, and obviously he would not be able to do as well. And so we see he had an advantage. He had an advantage because he had been blind now for years, and he had figured out how to play. Listen, you and I have an advantage. We have an advantage. We have God himself, the power of the Almighty, living within us. In Matthew chapter 28, the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, he gives us the great commission. But before he does that, he says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then he says, go ye therefore. Go and, and, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and he says, and I will be with you. I have all power and I will be with you, and so you will also have access to all power. We have a tremendous, tremendous advantage. Let's look at letter B. We see the privilege uh, under point number two, the privilege, letter B. We see the proof, the proof. John chapter 14, look at verse number 15, if you will. The Lord Jesus says here, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Look at verse number 21. John 14 and verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Verse 22. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is, uh, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. The ultimate proof of your love and of my love for the Lord is displayed in our obedience to the Lord. I love the fact that uh, right now in, in 2020, the, the uh, theme of uh, White Oak Baptist Church, is, uh, the Lord has led our pastor to give us that theme of love works. Man, and love really truly does work. If we love God, if we say we love God, then we'll obey God, uh, we'll follow the Lord, we'll, obey, we'll, we'll be obedient to his commands, we'll do what he tells us to do. This is the ultimate, the ultimate example of your actions speak louder than your words. Let's not be hearers of the word only. Let's be doers of the word. Uh, let's not just be uh, followers of the Lord in, in word and deed, but let's be followers of the Lord uh, in, in word only. But let's be followers of the Lord in deed in the things that we do in our obedience to God. The ultimate proof of our love for God is displayed in our obedience to him. The proof, the proof. Uh, we see letter C. Uh, letter A, the privilege. Letter B, the proof. Letter C, the providence. The providence. Uh, look at John 14. Look at verse 25. Verse 25. These things have I spoken unto you. Verse 25. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. 
we see the Lord Jesus reminding them that he will provide for them the comforter. He will provide for them the power of God in their hearts, in their lives, and through them as they minister. The Holy Spirit would not only teach them what they needed to know, he would also remind them of what they needed to remember. Uh, one of the things that I pray, uh, when I pray to the Lord, uh, I go to God and I say, Lord, I pray uh, that you not only convict me when I, because uh, I try to address all three persons of the Godhead in my prayer. Uh, I, I speak to God the Father, I speak to God the Son, I speak to God the Holy Spirit, uh, and I say, Lord, help me not to uh, quench you today, help me not to grieve you today, help me to submit myself to your promptings in my heart, uh, and I pray uh, that you would remind me. Uh, help me to remember the principles from your word. Uh, bring back to my remembrance uh, the principles from the verses that you have taught me. Uh, and, and this is me claiming this promise uh, that in verse 26, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Uh, you see, God is providing for his people everything that they need through the comforter, the Holy Spirit of God. Listen, I don't know if you need encouragement this morning. I, I know that I do. I don't know if you need comforting this morning. I know that I do. Uh, And as I read John chapter number 14, I believe God is giving each and every one of us some strength and some comfort for this day, for this hour, for what we're experiencing. Let's look at point number three. Uh, Point number three, we see the people of comfort. Uh, We saw the place of comfort. Uh, We saw also uh, the the point number two, we saw the person of comfort. And then point number three, we see the people of comfort. Of comfort, the place of comfort was heaven. Uh, the the person of comfort was the Holy Spirit. The people of comfort, we see, this is the hallmark. This is the hallmark of those people uh, that have the Holy Spirit living within them. This is a sign. This is this is a proof of of the fact that we're saved. We have the Holy Spirit living within us. Uh, look at John fourteen verse twenty seven. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away, and come again unto you. If ye loved me, ye would rejoice, because I said, I go unto the Father. For my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it has come to pass, ye might believe. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh. The prince of this world, we know that's a reference to Satan, the the devil. The prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me, uh, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do, arise, let us go hence. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, uh, I'm about to leave. The devil is going to become the god of this world, the prince of the power of the air. Uh, it's going to get messy. It's going to get nasty. Uh, it's going to get. Uh, it's going to be a disaster. He's going to come and he's going to bring. Uh, he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And that is exactly what he's trying to do. He's trying to kill. He's trying to steal. He's trying to destroy. Uh, not just in general, but you and I specifically, individually. He says, listen, uh, you have got to be uh, the ones that try to bring peace because he's going to try to bring war. He's going to try to bring destruction. You, are, you have got to be the hallmark of a true believer is someone who is a peacemaker. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9, the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. He said in verse 27, he says, peace I leave with you. I leave the peace with you, and I want you to spread that peace. I want you to share that peace. I want you to distribute that peace everywhere you go. 
I'm not going to give you the, the false peace that the world offers. I'm giving you the true peace. Uh, he, of course, we know in Isaiah, he's called the Prince of Peace. Uh, he is the, the one who gives true peace, lasting peace, eternal peace, and he's given it to us, and we are to share that with the rest of the world. You see, a lot of Christians act like God made no difference in their life at all. They're willing to fight at the drop of a hat, and at times they're willing to drop the hat themselves if they have to. That's not how we should be. Uh, we should be peacemakers. Uh, we should be uh, peace distributors. Uh, we should be people that say, hey, God has given me peace in my heart, uh, and I'm going to try to distribute peace everywhere I go. I end with this story. Telemachus was a, a monk who lived in the 4th century. He felt God saying to him, hey, you need to go to Rome. He was in a, a, a monastery, and he put his possessions in a small sack, and he set out to travel to Rome. When he arrived in the city, people were thronging in the streets. He asked why all of the excitement uh, was all about, and, and he was told that this day, this was the day that the gladiators would be fighting and killing each other in the Colosseum. It was called the Day of the Games. It was called, uh, basically, it was a circus type of event. And he thought to himself, uh, here we are, four centuries after the Lord Jesus Christ was here on earth, and they are still killing each other for enjoyment. He ran to the Colosseum, and he heard the gladiators saying, these are statements that the gladiators would make uh, before they would fight to the death. Hail to Caesar. We die for Caesar, they would say. And this monk, Telemachus, he thought, man, this isn't right. This isn't right. He jumped over the railing and he went out into the middle of the field there. Uh, He got in between these two gladiators and he held up his hands toward them. And he said these words. He said, do not requite God's mercy in turning away the swords of your enemies by murdering each other. Angry shouts and cries at once drowned out his voice. Uh, he, uh, he, He would hear people shouting, this is no place for preaching. The old customs of Rome must be observed. Uh, On gladiators, thrust aside the stranger. The gladiators would have again attacked each other. But this man, Telemachus, he stood in between them, holding them apart and trying in vain to be heard. Uh, He would hear people say, sedition, sedition, down with him. Uh, This is what the people were shouting from the stands. And the gladiators, they were enraged at the interference of this outsider with their chosen vocation. And at once they stabbed him to death. Stones or whatever missiles came to hand also were rained down upon him from the furious people. And thus he perished in the midst of that arena. You can find this this account uh, in Fox's Book of Martyrs. Uh, this account of Telemachus uh, and how he tried to stop this, this gladiators from destroying each other and he was killed as a result. It goes on to say his dress, what he was wearing, his dress showed him to be one of the hermits who vowed themselves to a holy life of prayer and self-denial and who were reverenced by even the thoughtless and combat-loving Romans. The few who knew him told how he had come from the wilds of Asia on a pilgrimage to visit the churches and to keep his Christmas there at Rome. They knew that he was a holy man and that his name was Telemachus and they knew nothing else of him. His spirit had been stirred by the sight of thousands flocking to see the men slaughter one another. And in his simple-hearted zeal, he had tried to convince them of the cruelty and the wickedness of their conduct, he had died, but not in vain. 
You see, he tried to bring peace. Uh, he was a follower of God. He was one of these that was trying to be a peacemaker. And so his work was accomplished at the moment that he was struck down. For the shock of such a death before their eyes turned the hearts of the people. They saw the hideous aspects of the favorite vice to which they had blindly surrendered themselves. And from that day, from the day that Telemachus fell dead in the Colosseum, no other fight of gladiators was ever held there again. Are you a peacemaker? Christian, during this time of upheaval, during this time of uncertainty, uh, are you adding to uh, the, the, the stirring? Uh, are you making people feel uh, even more upset and more troubled in their hearts? Or are you bringing peace? Oh, I know we're not going to do it perfectly like the Lord, but we should do our very best to bring calm, peace, and comfort to people during this uncertain time. Uh, let us do our part. Uh, let's let the God of peace reign in our hearts so that we can share peace, the peace of God, with others. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father, we love you. Lord, we're so thankful for John chapter 14. We thank you, dear God, for the comfort that you have given us in this passage. We pray now that you would help us, Lord, to be peacemakers. Help us, dear God, to allow you to work through us. Like this monk that we read about, Telemachus, Lord, he, he instilled peace. He brought peace, Lord, but he ended up giving his life. Lord, may we be a living sacrifice. May we give our lives, Lord, to instill peace in every relationship that we have. Lord, in every sphere of influence that we have. Lord, may we be, may we allow you to work through us, the God of peace, Lord, to instill peace in others. Thank you, Lord, for giving us peace and giving us the hope of heaven. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.